Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. So we're going to begin today by making some decrees. I think I have some very exciting things to share with you today. Personally, it has absolutely propelled me to a different level. And so if it does for me, it can do for you if you receive it in Jesus' name. And so I'm going to begin, and we're going to begin every week by making confessions of the Word of God. And if you let it become rote to you, that's what it will be. So as you make these confessions, they'll be on the screen. Then think about what you're saying. Be purposeful. Be intentional about it. Because we have to use faith-backed words. The words you say out of rote, the words you say because you memorized it, really avail you nothing. And so... When, when the Lord spoke, he put faith behind his words. And remember that when the Lord spoke, he did not speak to communicate. He spoke to create. And he put within us that same power. And so as you look at the screen, we're going to do two different confessions today. And thank you, God bless Rachel, because she is just absolutely my right arm in doing this right now. So if we could have these on the screen, and we're going to say them together. Or can we get them? Yes, Ready? Together? Let's go. I decree this will be my double portion year. I receive a new mantle for this new day. I take off that old mantle of limitation and fear. And instead, I activate courage to step into the supernatural in a brand new way. I stir up my most holy faith. Miracles are my portion. Signs and wonders are my way of life. I receive greater authority to represent you and your kingdom to the world around me. I receive my double portion of blessing and increase in every area. This will be my year of breakthrough in 2022. The next one. Today I decree that I live and walk in all the healing promises of God in the Bible. I will not allow these promises to be stolen from me through fear and unbelief. I command my body to function in perfect health the way the Lord created it to function. I speak life over my mind, my body. I declare my organs, bones, muscles, blood, and immune systems all operate correctly. I decree that I shall live long, strong, and in health on this earth. In the name of Jesus I decree that healing is mine today and every day. If you agree with that, amen. Now, I make these decrees every day. And if you say, well, I did, I have given you copies of the last one. And at our appreciation luncheon, everyone got a copy of the first one. But you can go back to the, the live stream and you can actually screenshot, copy it down, put it on hard count, copy whatever it takes. You know, and I know we're all just so used to having everything in the palm of our hands, but there is something to be said about diligence. There's something to be said about persistence. There's something to be said about perseverance. There's something to be said about discipline. And so we all want the quick fix and we want the easy way, but you've got to put something into what you do. If you read all the miracles of the Bible, let me tell you something. Those, most of those people, they had to press through great obstacles. They had to press through people slandering them and, and shaming them and putting them down and correcting them and saying all kinds of bad things. And, but you know what? Because they persisted and they broke through, they got their miracle. And it's no different today. So last week, we talked about stripping off that victim mentality, taking it off, and putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, putting on the full armor of light, putting on the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, putting on faith, putting on the full armor of God. But you've got to strip off poor me and the self-pity and the oh my, and I believe for so long, well, David was anointed king, and it was 14 years before he became king. Abraham was, was anointed by God to be the father of many nations before he ever had children. The ten lepers had to go their way 
before that leprosy vanished. Bartimaeus had to strip off his victim garment, his beggar's garment, before he could see. You've got to do something before it happens. But no, we want to see it, and then we'll believe it. It doesn't work that way in the realm of the Spirit. I mean, so you can lay down on the ground and grovel and be like that man in John chapter 5 all you want. And, and we're going to, to go through a lot of Scripture today. And at the very end, I'm the most excited about the very end. I'm going to show you a video that some of you might have seen on TV. Um, I watch very little TV, but my, one of my sisters sent me this video. And it was just, I cried and cried. I sent it to Randy, and he cried and and uh, if you didn't see it already, you're going to cry too. I just know you are. <laughs> so in John chapter 5, I think that is the biggest example of a victim in the whole Bible. It's just a profound example. And you know the story. There was a pool at Bethesda, and it had healing water. And an angel would come down. He would stir up the water. And when he stirred up the water, the first that got in the water got healed. And so there was a man that had laid there for 38 years. Can you imagine how filthy he was? Talk about a victim. But I'll tell you what, I just love Jesus. Backtracking a little bit to the, the man that was the demoniac. Remember, he had legion. And he, cut, he was a cutter. I know we have a lot of cutters today. This man was maybe the first. But that's so demonic. And he cut himself. And he was naked. And, but if you read the story of this man, when Jesus cast out those demons, sent them into the swine, and the swine were apparently smarter than people because they went and drowned themselves. They said, we'd rather be dead than have all these demons. And, but the next thing you know, this man is clothed and in his right mind. Well, what do you think happened? Well, Jesus had clothes for him. He doesn't leave you naked. He doesn't leave you at the mercy of demons. I love Jesus. I just love, love Jesus. And so Jesus comes to this man and he asks him one question. To this victim, to this beggar, one question. Do you want to get well? And the victim gives him an excuse. Well, I don't have anybody to help me every time I try. Somebody pushes me out of the way. And they go in before me, poor me. I'm just a lowly victim. And then Jesus gave him a choice. He said, arise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately, immediately, the man was healed and recovered his strength. That's verse 9, John 5. And he picked up his pallet and he walked. And that day was the Sabbath. And so all the religious leaders got mad. Now, the root of religion is a return to bondage. I know people always go, well, what religion are you? I'm no religion. I am a little Christ. That's what Christian means. You know, originally they weren't called Christians. They were called the way. And then they were named Christians at Antioch. One who is like Christ. That's blasphemy. No, it's Bible. But a religious mindset will say differently. I mean, why in Ephesians 5, 1 would it say, therefore be imitators of Christ? This is after telling you to strip off the old and put on the new. Put on the new regenerate man. But you got to strip off the old, put on the new. Strip off the beggar, strip off the victim, strip off the, the anger and the bitterness and the vile and the malice. Put on Christ. I mean, this morning as I sat before the Lord and I took Holy Communion, I just, I had to ask the Lord to forgive me. Because there are, he showed me areas, because remember, we are to be corrected so that we can be directed, and then we can be protected and perfected or matured. And the Lord showed me areas where I have disobeyed Proverbs 4.23. <gasps> Sandy, you're so bad. No, I'm not bad. I'm a human being. Jesus has redeemed me. So when he corrects me, I just say, yes, sir. What does confess mean? It means to say that. And he showed me areas that I had not guarded my heart with all vigilance. And, out of, and I didn't know I wasn't or I wouldn't have done it. But I think, you know, things happen in life, don't they? Where you just all of a sudden, you just realize, you just put your foot in that snare for multitudes of reasons. Maybe you got offended. You know, maybe somebody cut you off on the expressway and you just start Honking your horn. I mean, I put on my blinker and changed lanes today, and the person behind me didn't like it. There was plenty of room. Blew the horn at me for five minutes. You might be in the audience. I forgive you. 
<laughs> Could be. And so Jesus called this man in John 5 out of being a victim. And then the religious people got mad. And verse 13 says, the man who'd been healed did not know who it was because Jesus had slipped away unnoticed since there was a crowd in that place. And afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Now, this is a case where sin had caused his affliction. Does it always? No. Psalm 35 repeatedly says, princes have afflicted me without cause. But you know what? You better make sure. You better make sure you're not harboring anything in your heart. You make sure, women, we have larger breasts than men. You better make sure you're not nursing a grudge or nursing bitterness or nursing a hurt or nursing a wound or nursing anger or nursing self-pity. I did a whole series called, What Are You Nursing? Because the Lord began to show me things I were nursing. And women, uh, we are the worst for internalizing things. And then we justify it that it's okay. It's not. It's not. Listen, it's not okay. That is not a garment of holiness. So I'm going to start with the testimony, end with the testimony. This is a woman that was bullied, and I wrote it down because, and I called the person with, got permission, and I wanted to be accurate. So I'm just going to read it to you, okay? I personally know a lady whose ex-husband broke into her house several years ago. She'd failed to lock the front door and was sitting in her bathroom putting on makeup, and he showed up at the bathroom door with rage in his eyes. She knew immediately that her life was in danger. He came at her yanking her hair and her neck and pulling her by the hair and making demands. Obviously, he was victimizing her, and she was begging him to let her go free, but to no avail. True story. He finally pushed her against the counter, and he began to choke her, and every attempt to stop him failed. In desperation, she reached behind her, and she could feel the phone. Now, it was a landline. And all of you know, if it had been a cell phone, this probably couldn't happen. But it was the old-fashioned. How many of you still have a landline? I just recently got rid of mine. And miraculously managed to dial 911. The phone dropped to the ground, but the dispatcher heard every word, and he alerted the police. Five squad cars showed up on the scene. And one of the officers came into the bathroom while the others apprehended her assailant. With great relief, she told him she did not know how she managed to do what she did. And this officer looked at her and said, Ma'am, the Lord sent five big boyfriends to protect you. Now, wait till you hear the rest. She looked at his name badge to catch his name. And he walked out, and after she composed herself, she went outside where the other four officers had taken the ex-husband into custody. Now, in case you don't know, any attempt to choke a person is considered a felony, just in case anybody ever puts their hands around your neck. She began to look for that officer who had spoken to her in the bathroom. And she inquired to the other four officers about him, and they said they didn't have anybody by that name, nor was he anywhere to be found. It was a Hebrews 1.14 moment in time. Are they not ministering spirits sent to minister on behalf of those who will inherit salvation? Don't forget your angels. You might need them. Don't forget your angels. I saw a news report. Maybe many of you saw it. I actually saw it online. But, I mean, the only thing I watch on the news usually is the weather, which is typically wrong. <laughs> I did pray it would be wrong this week, but unfortunately they're right. So stay hydrated because 105 is nothing to mess with. And, but on this news report, right over at uh, the rim, right outside of the, what is that store? TJ Maxx, is it? Home Goods? Ladies getting into her car, broad daylight. And, and men come and start beating her with a rock. And she's screaming, and nobody helps her. I saw the testimony. I mean, her face is all banged up. 
And of course, she was making all the wrong confessions. I don't think I'll ever get over this. I'm going, what is her number? <laughs> what happened? She was victimized. And finally, she fled. She said, I don't know what made them leave. They didn't take anything. Well, I believe in the ministry of angels. Somebody's trying to victimize you. You just say, Lord, send angels. In fact, in this season, I just read a prophetic word that new angels are being released. So if you remember last week, we ended with Isaiah 52 that tells us to wake up and put on strength, to put on our beautiful garments, that no more will the uncircumcised and unclean come into you. What are those? They're demonic spirits. And then it says to shake yourself from the dust. Arise and sit erect in a dignified place. I want every one of you to sit up tall right now. I know we tend to slump. Sit up tall. Hold your head up. Practice doing that. Just practice doing that. Loose yourself from the bonds. Why? Why does he say loose yourself? Well, because Jesus has already done the work. He's already done it. We just have to sit erect in the dignified place. And what is that dignified place? Seated with Christ in the heavenly places, Ephesians 2, 6. So yours and my responsibility is get up off the ground and put on that new man and stop making excuses and live on the resurrection side of life. John chapter 1 and verse 12, to as many as received and welcomed him, to them he gave the right to be called the sons of God. That is to those who believe on his beautiful name. In the King James, it says, as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. I'm going to tell you a story about that. I'll never, never forget it. I've told it many times. But um, before I got pregnant with a third child, you know, I only wanted two. And then I, but I wanted what the Lord wanted more than I wanted what I wanted. And so I said, Lord, if you ever want me to have a third child, then I ask you to put that desire in my heart. And he did. And then, of course, I couldn't get pregnant because that's how it works. And so um, my, my spiritual mother, who is the most accurate, godly, holy woman I have ever met in my life to this day, I'm getting ready to turn 69, and I met her when I was, in, when I was 23. I've never met anybody like her in my entire life. Every word she's ever given me has been 100 bullseye, 100%, 100%. I don't know anybody with a 100% track record beside Jesus, but she, bullseye, because she doesn't speak it unless she hears it. And she said to me, August 28th, you'll have a baby on August 28th. I said, that is not happening because that was 13 months away. And Courtney's birthday is August 28th, so... But the Lord had given me a scripture, and he had promised me, it was um, in Isaiah, that, that I'd have a son. And so I, you know, I assumed a son was a boy. And so I had a sonogram at five months pregnant. And, you know, back in those days, they were just invented, okay? This is 44 years ago. And so they had just been invented. They were, or at least... For pregnancy, I don't know how old they are, so don't write me a dirty email. I just know that when I was pregnant with Kelly, they were not using sonograms yet on babies. And so the lady said it was a boy. And so, I mean, I just thought that was cool. I didn't care. It's not that I was praying for a boy. I was praying for a child, a healthy child. And so she told me that it was a boy. And so, you know, I thought that I was having a boy. And had another one eight months pregnant, and for some reason that baby had lost gender parts, apparently. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm not going there. And so, so, you distracted me, Pam. Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> and so anyway, and so the, she was a girl. And I was confused. I mean, I was, I was confused. And on the third day after I had her, I was, back then, they let you stay in the hospital and have a little bit of a vacation before you didn't get any sleep. <laughs> now they send you home the same day. So I think it was the third day. And, and I was going to take a nap. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, if you stay awake, I will tell you what I meant by a son. And he gave me in Galatians. And it says that those who received him were baptized into Christ. There is no male nor female 
but all are sons of God. And to the same person that prophesied her birth, he gave the scripture I just read. As many as received him, he gave power or authority to become sons of God. And it was at that time I, I had the revelation that we are all, not the son, there's only the son, Jesus Christ. We are all sons of God through Christ Jesus. And because of that, we have been deputized with authority. So what does that mean? That word authority is exousius. And it means the power to act. Authority, conferred power, or delegated empowerment. It is from the Greek word exesti, which means privilege, physical or mental power, the ability or strength, which one is endued, which he possesses or exercises. So let's read a few scripture on the exousia that Jesus Christ or the authority entrusted to those that are his own. That includes us because you can't enforce authority if you don't know you have it. Is that correct? If you see the red lights flashing behind you in the car. Are you yielding to the red lights or are you yielding to the authority that has been delegated to the one driving that car? I don't know about you, but if a police officer shows up at my door, I open the door. And I think one time my alarm went off and I didn't, I guess I didn't disarm it quick enough or something. They showed up at my door, very respectful. They stand way back. And you know you can see the whole time when a woman answers the door, if this has ever happened to you, what are they doing? They are looking over your shoulder. What are they doing? They're checking it out to make sure you're not in danger. They're exercising conferred power. And I don't know about you, but that makes me feel kind of safe. I was talking to one of our security in church. It's kind of sad that churches have to have security now. And schools. But I, I, I said, are you a sharpshooter? And he looked at me. I, that was, by the way, that was an insult. I just want you to know that. And he said, no, ma'am, I'm an expert. I said, what's the difference? And he said, well, an expert is higher. And I took less shooting lessons, one and only time, so don't trust me, from Rick Poe, who is an expert. And I'll never forget, because he just took that gun and, that, and just pow, 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 bullseye every time. But I'm happy to say I was the only one in the class that even hit the target, so. <laughs> Mark 1, and 27, they were completely amazed at his teaching. He was teaching as one having God-given authority and not as the scribes. And they were all so amazed and they debated and questioned each other, saying, what is this, a new teaching and authority? He commands even the demons, and they obey him. Luke 4, 36, they were all astonished and in awe, and they began saying to one another, what is this message? For with authority and power, he commands unclean spirits to come out. Mark 3, 13, and he went up to the hillside. He called those uh, whom, he, whom he himself wanted and chose, and they came to him, and he appointed 12 disciples so that they would be with him for instruction, and so that he could send them out to preach the gospel and have authority and power to cast out unclean spirits. Not, oh my God, the devil is attacking me. I'm under attack. Oh my God. No, 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 no. He gave them authority. What do you do when you're under attack? Whine and cry? Or do you say, in the name of Jesus? In the name, it's the name, it's the name, it's the name. Think about it. Think about what you're thinking about. Think about what you're saying. Use God-given authority. How do you get that sound? Your sound waves never stop. They never stop. I should have looked up how fast. Tiffany, look up how fast sound waves travel. Please. Luke 10, 19. Listen carefully. This is, this is Jesus. I have given you authority that you now possess to tread on serpents and scorpions and the ability to exercise authority, exousius, over all the power of the enemy and nothing 
shall in any way harm you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Oh, but this was to the 70. Yes, he was talking to the 70, but it's for us. If you're going to have that religious mindset, let me give you some bad news. Throw away your Bible. None of it is for you. Unless you lived six, four, 2,000 years ago. He was not talking directly to you, but he was talking for you. And the word is alive and full of power. It's for today because the word is Christ. The word is Christ. And one of my favorite scriptures, and I want you to listen to me like you've never listened to me. If you don't hear anything else, you hear this loud and clear. Revelation 19, 13. Jesus is dressed in a robe, died by dipping in blood. Listen, I want every eye to look at me. And the title by which he is called is the word of God. Now, what does that mean? The title by which he is called is the word of God. When you say the name of Jesus, who is the word, you are throwing the entire Bible in the face of the defeated one. It's not some trite little phrase. It's not a magic formula. I hear people just say, name of Jesus, name of Jesus, name of Jesus, name of Jesus. I don't even understand it. How do you think all the demons in hell are going to understand it? They know who is exercising their authority. What do they say to the, the guy in the book of Acts? Well, we know Paul. We know, what, was it Jesus? We don't know you. What, word, what words could a demon say to you? We don't know you. His title is the word of God. His name is the word of God. When you say faith back, Jesus, all of heaven backs you. The angels back you, and guess what? The demons tremble. Don't forget when you resist the devil, the entire time he's fleeing, he's going, I'm not going, because he's a liar. He's a liar. If you've never read Revelation of Hell by Mary Kay Baxter, you should. She said the Lord took her to hell to show her the horrors of hell. Do you see how the devil has minimized himself? He's a little red devil with horns and a pitchfork on a can of Spam. Or he's a cute little Halloween. No, no, he's a formidable foe. And he's angry. He has great wrath knowing his time is short. And so he goes after God's children. We've read that many times in Revelation 12. And I told you last week, I don't understand why. Well, I just told you why. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's why he comes. You know why. That's the wrong question. The right question is, what do you want me to do, Lord? Maybe it's throw off your beggar's garment. Quit being a victim. Arise, take up your bed, and walk. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do I go from here? You just speak the word. Remember the nobleman? Or the, excuse me, the centurion. Lord, I'm not worthy. You don't need to come under my roof. Just say the word. My servant will be healed. And Jesus said, now this man understands authority. I haven't found so great authority. He understood the authority of the word of God. Not what if it doesn't, it didn't happen for so-and-so. Well, it's not going to happen for you either. If that's your attitude. Where was I? Oh, Luke. Uh, no. 2 Corinthians 10, 18. Even though I boast rather freely about the authority the Lord gave us for building up and not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed of the truth. 2 Corinthians 13, 10. I am writing these things to you while absent from you so that when I come, I will not need to deal severely with you in my use of the authority which the Lord has given me to be used for building you up and not tearing you down. And I included those scriptures for one reason. Because... God gives us authority to build up his people, not to condemn them. I received a postcard. You know how the churches might send out postcards to everybody in a certain zip code. And I'm telling you, if I wasn't saved, I wouldn't have wanted to get saved. Because the entire front of the postcard was about damnation and you're going to hell. Back to Mary Kay Baxter. I forgot to finish that story. Thank you, Lord. 
And uh, so anyway, the Lord shows her hell, and she's with Jesus. And she just, she said, I can't describe to you the horrors. The constant burning and the smelling of bur- the smell of burning flesh and the sulfur. You know how bad sulfur smells. And, and she said, it was just horrible. And there are all these cages, and people are burning in the cages. And in one of the cages is a famous actress. And, and I, you know who the actress is when you read the book. Never says the name, but you know who it is. And the devil walks by her cage. And, and, and the horrible thing is you're burning, but it never stops. And, and you just keep on burning and your flesh keeps melting. And then it comes back and it melts again. And, and Jesus told her, I want my people to know hell is real. To give their heart to, to Jesus Christ. For those of you watching, if you haven't done that today, you just say, Jesus, I give you my heart. Forgive my sins and take my life. It's that easy then get into a good Bible-teaching church. And so, this actress is screaming out to Satan. He marches past her burning cage. She said, you promised me if I would serve you, you would give me a high position in hell. And he goes, oh, but I will, I will. He never stops being a liar. He's the great deceiver of the dragon. We have to quit listening. Oh, God, let this happen to you. You can't trust him. Really? His name is faithful and true. Yes, you can trust him. And in Luke 19, 12 through 26, Jesus told the parable of the, the talents. And he gave one ten. And the guy multiplies the ten. And he said, you've been faithful. Here's ten more. And then there's a guy that gets five and he multiplies it five more. You've been faithful. He gives him five more. And then there's a guy he gave one. And he went and buried it. And then he told, he told a lie about God. He said, I knew you were a harsh master, reaping where you didn't sow. And the Lord says, you wicked servant. And he took the one and he gave it to the one who had the ten. We have to be faithful. Take the gifts. And here's why I included this today. You have authority where your gift is. Use your gift. I don't know what my gift is. Yes, you do. What do you do well and what comes easily to you? What is your heart? I never doubted that God had called me to teach. I thought it was school. And I did that for a short time. From the time I was six years old, I would line my dolls and stuffed animals up on my bed. And I can still see myself in this this little house we lived in. And I'd pull up a chair on the other side of my bed. My bed was against a wall with all my dolls. And I opened my little school book at six years old and I would teach. And that's how I learned even throughout college, I would sit there and I would vocally, orally, out loud, teach the lesson. And that's how I remembered it. So when I went to college, I didn't have to, what do I want to do? What am I going to be? I knew already I was called to be a teacher. I just didn't know it was this. But be faithful in little. Never doubted him. When Kelly who is our our band leader and and one of our worship leaders, very anointed, writes music, plays like an angel. And her daughter as well, my granddaughter. I don't know why they make fun of me because had I never recognized the gift, it probably would have never happened. But I'm just, you know, making a comment. And so I remember walking by her room and she had a little piano and she was playing. Mary had a little lamb. And I stopped and I said, "How, how on earth did you know that? I've told you before, I don't know where middle C is. That's pretty bad. And she said, I don't know. And I said, what do you mean you don't know? You're sitting here playing perfectly. She said, I just heard it in my head. And I said, well, you are going to take music. I inquired to piano teachers. They said it takes about. My idea of perfect was being able to play the Lord's Prayer. I don't know where I got that. I have no idea. But I would ask piano teachers, how long does it take? to proficiently play the Lord's Prayer. They said about 10 years. Now, that may not be the case today, Mills, so don't correct me. I'm just, this was 40-something years ago. And I said, Kelly, you are in piano for 10 years. I don't ever want to hear, I don't one time want to hear that you don't want to practice. You have a gift. Go in the authority of that gift. And she does. That's what you do. 
when Katie was deciding, I mean, I always thought she'd be a hairdresser. And the reason I thought that is because I had several calls from mothers that my daughter Katie cut their children's hair <laughs> at my house. And I would get calls more than once. Sandy, I, I'm sorry, but Katie cut. And she nicknamed herself Chanel. And she used to go in the bathroom and dye Courtney's hair. And so I thought naturally she was going to be a hairdresser. But one day before she went to college, she was struggling. And I said, Katie, what is in your heart? What do you want to do? She said, I want to make a difference in the lives of people. And I said, then be a teacher. Then be a teacher. Teachers have the greatest influence. If you're a teacher today, here, stand up. I want to see you. Come on, stand up if you're a teacher right now, right now, right now, right now. Give them a hand. You know, their children are entrusted to you. Thank you for doing that. And so she became a teacher and taught many years before she had children. And then Courtney didn't know what she wanted to do. And when my sister Debbie had a baby, we, we got there right at the tail end. And she saw the nurses and how how the nurses advocated and cared. And she left there. She said, Mom, I'm supposed to be a nurse. It's in you. The authority of what God has called you to do is in you. I love what I do. I'm passionate. It's not a strain. I have people all the time tell me, I don't know how you do this. I go, well, it's simple. I've had people ask me at times, how long did it take you to prepare that message? Oh, about 20 minutes. What? It's in me. Be faithful to use the authority of what God has called you to do. I'm not saying there's not going to be hard times. I'm not saying that sometimes things don't seem to pile up. But you'll have the grace to do it. If you don't have the grace to do what you're doing, you're doing the wrong thing. Just saying, people. Oh, I don't even know where I was. Ah. Acts 3, verse 1. Now, you probably know the story of when Peter and John went to the temple to pray, and there was a man there. Again, he's a beggar. He's at the gate, beautiful. He's begging them, and Peter and John said, Silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give unto you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And what happened? The man rose up. His legs became strong. And he began to walk and leap and praise God. And the religious leaders, the Pharisees, got mad. They always will. Let me tell you something. When you're doing what God calls you to do, there's people that are going to get mad. Oh, well. It's not your problem. And they demanded. And I want to read verse 6. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name and the authority and power of Jesus Christ, begin now. To walk and go walking. And he did. And so they, they got mad. And what about what authority you do do this? Verse 16. And on the basis of faith in his name. It is the name of Jesus. Which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him. Has given him this perfect health. And complete wholeness in your presence. And then, of course, he's taken before the rulers and the elders, Peter is. But why? Because he healed a man in the name of Jesus. Can't stand that Pharisee spirit. Rick always says the worst hands you can fall into are the hands of a Pharisee. What does that mean? Religious people. That want to contradict the supernatural power of God. That say, oh, miracles, healing, provision, all of it's passed away. Well, if that's the case, there's a funeral home right down the street. Just go ahead and get in a coffin. You know why? Because we have no hope. Oh, but what if I believe and they die or I die? Well, then you're in heaven. Hallelujah. You're part of the great cloud. Hebrews 12, we've come to the spirits of the righteous who have been made perfect in heaven. My mama was diagnosed with COVID last week. My mama's 90 years old. And you know all the reports, you know, you're, if you're this age, you're going. And my mother, and she was taken to the ER. I mean, it was, she wasn't like just a sniffly nose. She was sick. 
And so I'm texting her. I'm, uh, my mother's very hard of hearing, so we communicate a lot by text. Because unless you're in her presence and she can read your lips, then she doesn't understand, so we text. And I'm texting her. And the first thing she did was make this declaration. I'm not going out like this. When I go, it won't be like this. And I said, then so be it. Now, we need to learn to do that. When? 1 Peter 5, at the onset. You don't wait to speak the word of God. You declare from the onset. Why? Because God declares the end from the beginning. That's what we should do too. I'm not going out like this. And so, you know, Peter has to defend himself, and he says, in this name, by the authority and power of Jesus, this man stands here before you, and there is salvation in no one else. Romans 10, 6 through 9. The righteousness based on faith says, says, do not say in your heart who's going to go to heaven to bring Christ down, who will descend into the abyss to bring Christ up. Nope, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. You shall be sozo. You shall be delivered. Philippians 2.10, in the name of Jesus, every knee must bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue publicly confess, say with me that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Amen and amen. All right going to give you a few scriptures and then we're going to show you a video. Matthew 28, 18. Jesus approached and breaking the silence said to them, all authority, all power of rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go. Go where? Go in the authority that's been given to me and preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Luke 4, 6. Jesus said, I will give all power. No, excuse me. This is the temptation. And this is what Satan said to Jesus. To you, I will give all power and authority and the glory of all the kingdoms. For it has been turned over to me. And I will give it to whomever I will. Who turned it over to the devil? Adam. What is the first command in the Bible? Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and have authority over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air, every creeping thing that crawls. God gave man authority. And he gave it to Satan. And Jesus came. And he took the authority back, and the devil had the nerve to say, well, if you worship me, I'll give you the authority of the earth because it's been given to me. And Jesus said, it is written. And nothing's changed. Get behind me, Satan. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only will you serve. And at that moment, he took the authority back. Glory to God. Isaiah 43, the voice of one who cries in the wilderness, the voice of one, makes straight and smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley lifted, every mountain made low, every crooked place straight and rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it. O you who bring good news to Zion, get up on the mountain. O you who bring good news, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up, don't be afraid, and say to the cities, behold your God. We are to lift up our voices. Not just sit there and be silent. Oh, but I don't feel, I don't feel good. I remember one time I went to a luncheon. I won't name the restaurant. But there was something, I don't know what it was, but it was evil. And it just made me so sick. And I, I started throwing up. And I couldn't stop. I literally couldn't stop if you've ever been there. And I remember all of a sudden between heaves, I said, in the name of Jesus, by his wounds, I am healed. And it stopped like that. Stop like that. Lift up your voice. Don't be afraid. Lift up your voice. 
So my sister Cindy sent me a clip last week from America's Got Talent. And I don't watch America's Got Talent, although I really like Simon. I mean, I just, I think he's funny. And it was a young African-American man named Avery Dixon. If you didn't see it, you've got to pull it up on YouTube. And this young man comes out, just a darling, just dressed. They said he had the outfit of the day. And his mama, oh, his mama, I just wondered her. She was just precious. His mama's crying and cheering for him. And, and you know, Simon says, what is your name? And how old are you? Is 21. And they start interviewing him the way they do. And he said, I was bullied as a child. And he said, I was a preemie. I weighed one pound, eight ounces. And because of that, he had knots. You could see them somewhat on his head. And the kids at school called him Hammerhead. And his vocal cords don't close completely because, you know, it was a side effect of being a preemie. And so he talked like he had laryngitis. I actually thought his voice was beautiful. I've heard so many. I remember one time I had laryngitis and I got up before a crowd to speak. And I actually had people tell me, I like your voice better like that. <laughs> you can always count on women. And so he had this raspy voice, and so the kids at school called him Frog. And you could see the judges, especially Simon. I mean, they're just getting mad. And through that, he picks up a saxophone. And he said even before he came, he was bullied because he was playing. They, he said, well, why do you want to win this competition? And Avery said, I, I want a safe place for my, my mother and my brother and a safe place to use my gift. You see, he was using the authority of his gift. And Simon said, well, I've noticed that saxophones go in and out of popularity. Do you think that's true? And he said, well, it depends on who's playing the saxophone. Now, this guy, in my opinion, so all you music people, just you don't know what you're talking about. I have an opinion. And in my opinion, he was every bit as good as <clears throat> Ray Charles. And did Ray Charles play the saxophone? Oh, who's that other guy? Come on. Louis Armstrong. Louis Armstrong. That's who I was really thinking. What did he play? Okay, well, all right. I told you I'm not, I'm not musical. But this guy was, he began to play and I, the audience was ballistic. Kenny G. Okay. They, I mean, the audience is ballistic. The judges are up. They're all dancing. People are screaming. So my grandson Joshua and, and son-in-law Matt play the saxophone. And the first time I ever heard Joshua play, I started crying because the anointing was so powerful. So I sent it to them and I said, you are this good. And of course, they're, no, you don't know what power it takes to hit those notes. Well, I don't care. Do it. But I mean, he was, his notes were reaching heaven. So, saying all of that, we're going to play the clip, and then we're going to conclude of what the judges said to him.
got you. I got you. Oh. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Did this. You did this. I was crying and I never cried. I know, not a dry eye in the house. I love you, man. I love you. Oh. <laughs> Is that great? I just love it. And I looked it up and Terry Crews is six foot two. Simon said, any one of those idiots who bullied you now, I hope is watching this audition. Howie said, you will change the world. And you heard Terry Crews say, all of those bullies will have to watch you succeed. It's time to rise up and take your God-given authority. Regardless of what you've been through, you turn the table on the devil. And you use that. Remember last week's testimony? You are the seed. And what the enemy meant against you for evil, God meant for good. You are the seed. I see Lisa Michelle in the back. She went through a life of horrible sexual abuse, molestation. And what did she do? She's the seed. Now going to open a home for women in that position. And for, for girls that have been sex trafficked. And that takes courage. She's speaking to governments and people in authority. Why? Because she refused to be victimized. And she rose up and said, I am the seed. Do it. Father, thank you that you have given us authority. In the name, in the name, in the name. And help us to exercise that authority. In the precious name of Jesus Christ. No longer a victim. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.